Welcome to Bigger Than the Game with Jeremy and Jose. I'm Jeremy Dove. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, my tag team partner, the man with the new specs. That's right. Yeah. Looking like, uh, you know, it's a Sixer episode, looking like, you know, Kurt Rambis <laughs> over there. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Jose Ruiz. What's going on, man? What's going on, Jeremy? How you doing, man? Good to see you, brother. Good to see you too, man. You got the new specs on. You, you know, you're getting all ready. Yeah, I got the, the blue light glasses on to help me out here. I'm in front of this damn laptop all day, every day, man. So um, they definitely help out with the lights and all that stuff. So, no, nah, they they I think I look a little fly. I don't know. I'm trying. They're pretty cool. Pretty cool. How do they feel pretty good? Yeah, they're light. They're, I'm good, man. Yeah, I can send you. If you need a pair, let me know. I, can send I mean, you I'm plane. good for I One thing I do have, a lot of them on me isn't the greatest, but my eyesight has been pretty good so far, but. Yeah, I'm my eyesight is great. This these don't have anything like that. These are just for the lights and stuff. Just for the reflection. Right, right. Okay. So, All right. So quick plug, right, for blue light glasses. Yeah, I know, right? Little little plug. Blue light glasses. Jose yeah. likes them. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's it. That's yeah. the stamp they need. Yeah. That's, that's it. Jose approves. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but Jose, this one is um it's near and dear to my heart. I, I you know, because they're all special. We put a lot of work in every episode and we're glad to do it. But this one is one that one of the few, maybe if I had Desert Island and I could podcast, do bigger in the game, and you only get one episode, one topic to talk about, this is in the running for it. Because this is I'm not gonna say it's the greatest team, but it's my it's favorite. It's my favorite team. In all sports, I love this team, and that's the 83 Sixers, my man. Yeah, oh, I, you don't got to tell me. I already know. Like, uh, you know, definitely let the audience know, and um, and you can tell the excitement. And I know ever since we – and I know this has been on the list forever. You know what I mean? Like, we, we always try to come up with shows ahead of time so that way we know what we're doing, schedule some stuff out. This has always been on the list for you, Jeremy. I, I, I 100% already know that. And um, But, no, being a – obviously – Born and raised in Philadelphia, both of us. This is that one team that people always point to, right? And just go because again, like we look at Philly teams, and we're always like they had that underdog mentality, and you know the Eagles had the dog mask on, and Flyers always had like the varsity bully stuff. And I never saw in my lifetime just a dominant team from start to finish, win a championship, expected to win the championship, and that's exactly what they do, and they just dominate throughout. This is the one team I, that I can point to in Philadelphia sports history. Got a couple of Phillies teams in there that were really, really good too. But this is the one. This state one. Like, this is our one right here. And it's like this team dominated from start to finish. Superstars throughout the you know throughout this team. Amazing, amazing team, Jeremy. No, and, you know, a lot of times for those who aren't from Philadelphia, a lot of times my battle with, you know, you look at great teams – coaches, athletes, and Philly sports history, it's nationally they get respected, but locally it's like yeah. they're not appreciated. You know, you look at like Andy Reid as a coach. We did episodes on him. You know, the greatest Philly ever, Mike Schmidt, you know, greatest third baseman of all time, had a tough was hated, was hated, hated. hated. Can't wait to do the episode on him. Oh, but he yes. was hated here, you know. But this is the one where I feel like it's opposite. Locally, this team is beloved. You know, we just hit 40, you know, 40th anniversary. They were yeah. celebrated here. They were beloved locally, but nationally, this team does not get the respect. And I'm remembering something 
You know, I remember pandemic time, last dance drops and that first episode. And you see that clip of young Michael Jordan right after he got drafted by the Bulls. Got, and the, him rope, got the rope chain on. The, the rope chain, shape up. Yeah. yeah, the shape up still looking good. And he said he wants to make the Chicago Bulls uh, one of those respectable franchises like the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers. And he named one more. Yeah, the Philadelphia 76ers. That's right. And he knew what the obstacles were, especially in the Eastern Conference. But I think in the NBA, because he mentioned them with the two top teams in that in that era. And Mike knew. Michael knew, like, if he were, was going to get the Bulls anywhere, there were a couple teams he had to go through. The Celtics and the Sixers. And that was 100% correct at that time. You're talking mid-80s at that point. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people who – either are before they're of a certain age and they're older or you hear it all the time just now everyone thinks the league started in the 80s with magic and larry magic and larry and we know that's not true you and i know that's not true and hopefully a lot of the people listening know that but you even look at that time that's the quote quote unquote golden age it turned the league around it made the league blow up and be popular but we can look at the Lakers, the Celtics, those teams, that rivalry is talked about forever. Even in recent years, the bad boys, who I felt were disrespected, they had the 30 for 30. And then this last dance kind of gave the Pistons. And Isaiah lot, Thomas like, doesn't shut the hell up. Like, that dude, man. That All dude. these interviews. Wow. I feel bad for him. And I know not to jump in and change the subject. Cool, but cool. this dude, man, like, he needs to – just shut up somewhere and just go have a coconut smile. Like, you know, and, and just he's looking really bad. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I I like Isaiah Thomas as a player. I did. I thought he was a great player, you know, all-time great point guard. But he's he's not looking good here. No, he, he it's, it's looking rough for him. But the Pistons are getting talked about. The right. Lakers are talked about. The Showtime Lakers. Those 80 Celtics are talked about. Books written even recently about them. It's awesome. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. The 83 Sixers, not talked about. The 80s Sixers, that run that they had, not talked about, Jose. And just off, off the dome, why do you think that is? Just, you know, I know we're going to get into it, but just why? Right. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Like, the, And that's not, not the best answer to have when you have a podcast. But, you know, I... <laughs> I'm. I was been trying to think about this, man, because they have, they had right what you want to talk about, right? They had probably one of the most prominent players in ABA and NBA history and basketball history. Let's just say it like that. And Julius mm-hmm. Irvin, right? Dr. J. Like, who doesn't know who Dr. J is? And we were talking about it before we jumped on here. He's still, you know, roaming the Sixers games when he's walking around looking all stylish with his suits on and hats on. Like everybody know who the doctor is, right? Like. So you have that. You have the mega star, not like a superstar. This is a transcendent individual, transcendent player, right? In off the court and off the like on the court and off the court, right? So you have that. You have a great team, right? So we look at all these other teams. You look at the Celtics, you look at the Lakers, and you look at those Pistons, right? They were all great teams, all of them. And I'm again, we're not knocking any of those teams, right? You know, the Celtics had a deep team. Lakers had a deep team. Detroit's team was good. It wasn't as deep as these other teams, but it was a great team anyway. Sixers were that too. You know, we can talk. We're going to talk about the starting five, but, you know, you got Dr. J, Moses Malone, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew Tony, and some of those are not household names, but I know, and people who know the NBA, 
know how great those players were, right? You know, but we talked about Bobby Jones earlier and before we jumped on here, like Billy Cunningham was the coach. Like it was, they were deep and a really, really good team. They can beat you in both. They can stop you defensively and they can run and gun with you with no problem, right? So again, I don't know if it's because they just have the one championship compared to these other two teams that won multiple championships, each of them. But the disrespect for this team, especially for the 82-83 Sixers, is insane. Like, insane. Because if you take – and we'll talk about this later. I wanted to ask you this question. Like, if you take the best team of each of those runs for the Celtics, Lakers, and Pistons, and you put them against this 82-83 team, Sixers still have a good shot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of coming out coming out on top if they all were to play. So, it, it is insane to me. But I, I, I wanted to ask you the same exact question, Jeremy. Like, why do you think – like this team gets overlooked, like the way they do. Well, first, I have a few theories. For me, starters, and it's funny because uh, a past guest who's going to be on with us soon to do a rewatch, Pete Carrado, he did an uh, article in Oral History. So, you know, we'll put a link on the show notes, yeah. but about the 40th anniversary of the 83 Sixers. Um, Pete also wrote that book. You know, you can hear, you check the archives, check them. Uh, you can hear when he came on back two years ago about his book coming out, you know, and this is the last team to win a title PS. And I say that as pre Stern. Yep. So this David Stern is working for the league office. He's there, but he's not commissioner until February of 84. So this really is the last one. If you watch the 83 Sixers, it's Larry O'Brien you know, passing the trophy over to him is the last time that happens before Stern comes in. So part of me wonders about that. Part of me also had, hey, a little conspiracy theory guy here. Uh, I listen to a lot of like Bob Ryan. I, I respect Bob Ryan and his so knowledge of the game. I really do. Um, and he talks about Bird, you know, overtaking Doc. And, and, you know, he mentions a lot of times the 81 series where Philly's up 3-1 in the conference finals. Yes. Great series, and they wind up blowing it. What gets missed, though, is 82 in a way that Philly was up 3-1. Boston wins two games, but Philly wins game seven to go to the finals, and that's when the first time you really heard a beat L.A. chant, yep. the Boston yeah, crowd sent it to Philly. Yep, yep. You know, it was huge. People also never talk about in 1980, Bird's rookie year. He's rookie of the year. South at least to the conference finals. Who they lose to? Four games to one. Yeah. Doc and the Sixers. So to me, I feel like just like in a way, the bad boys, they ended the Michael, I mean the Magic and uh Larry run, and they were stopping Michael from rising. The Sixers of the early 80s stopped a lot of Bird, Magic, you know, matchups in the final. That would have happened. I mean, we had three, but we would have had potentially five. Five. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. You know, without without the Sixers being in the way. So I feel like that maybe could be part of it. Like, everyone just wants to think the 80s, Lakers-Celtics, Lakers-Celtics, Lakers-Celtics. The Sixers were in there, and the Sixers stopped a lot of it. And they were the big rivals for both those teams in the early 80s. Oh yeah, them them Sixers Celtics games were you know watching look you know looking back and looking at documentaries and all that stuff. Those were intense, intense games. I mean, we have that all time picture of 
Dr. J grabbing Larry Bird by the throat. I love that picture, you know. Um, but it's just like it's just it's like personified that robbery. And then we, me and Darren, we talked about this so much, especially now with the recent success that the Celtics have had with Tatum and you know Brown and Horford and Marcus Smart. I never had that Celtics. I do now, but I never had it before. Like you know, you talk about the older generation, right? They hate the Celtics, and I like mm-hmm. it's almost like how people hate like the Cowboys and all that stuff here in Philly. Like it's that deep, you know. We hear like there's radio hosts who always say that how much they hate the Celtics. I never really had that because I grew up with the Patino Celtics. You know what I mean? Like the fake Kentucky team, and you know we had Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. You know those they really didn't do much. You know what I mean? By the time I was watching NBA, Larry Bird was on his way out, you know, I remember watching him against the Pacers. We were talking about that too the other day. And, you know, like they were on their way out. Like the Celtics to me, they, they were not a concern for me at all. Like, I mean, also the Sixers were terrible too. And that was when we were growing up, but so I didn't have that hate back then though. If you were a Sixers fan, you were a Celtics fan, you absolutely hated each other. And again, because one thing that a robbery needs, it's, it has to have great players, right? They both teams have to be successful both teams have to win each, right? They can't just be really one-sided. And the thing Unless that, you Yankees Red Sox for a well, long time. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. But the one thing that you 100% need is playoff matchups. Like, that's what, like, adds gasoline to the fire. You know what I'm saying? And these teams play each other almost every year in the playoffs. So I, I, I can understand why those, you know, those two teams really, really disliked each other. No, and, and those – it has great points because it is that rivalry. Everyone knows it. it. It's it's like I said, it was for a lot of times that Yankee Red Sox. Um, you know, you look at, you know, Cowboys and Washington It because it went generations. It went yep. from Chamberlain and Russell down into the 70s and then into the 80s with Doc and Bird and all that. So it wasn't even just a little short span. Yep. It was generations, you know, in the 60s. You know, my dad is 70, so he grew up watching as a kid in his teens Chamberlain and Russell battle, and then when he's married and then becoming a dad, having my brother, it's Doc and Bruce. So that's a whole, like, yeah. lot of years of having these intense playoff battles between a team, between these two teams. So I, I really do feel like that doesn't get talked about enough that everyone goes to 81, and I guess because Bird did get that first title, But then it's like you hear a little bit about the Sixers getting them back the next year. No one mentions 1980 to the point where you wouldn't think that. Yeah, in those playoff matchups and those first three, Doc took two out of the three over Bird Celtics. Yeah, and I'm I'm also like now that we're talking about it a little more, um, you know, people, fans, right? Like when they – especially outside of a city, like, you know, like I'm saying outside Philadelphia, and you see a team – like the Sixers with so much talent, right? Like you're used to we're rattling off names left and right and, and how great these guys were. But then you see them lose to the Lakers, right? Game seven, NBA finals, some dude named Magic Johnson comes in, plays plays center, triple-double, they beat the Sixers, right? Like that's – like Sixers should have never lost that that game, that series, right? They should have had another – there should have been a title right there. And then that – Talked about the 81, 82 when they were up three to one. Like people remember that. So it's like, yeah, you won a championship, but
but you fell short a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I know as a fan looking outside in on other teams, when I'm like, yeah, they're, you know, they're going to get there. They're going to blow it. Like, I don't know if folks looked at the Sixers like that. I mean, because you can even talk about before the 80s and 77, they should have beat Portland and Bill Walton. They should have won that series too. You know, they were favored to win that. So it's like they're constantly getting there but coming up short. And then obviously 82-83, they blow the doors off. But do you think that can be a part of it, Jeremy? I think the fact that it, it, it's one title. So I do think it, there's rare exceptions to the rules in sports like, you know, the 85 Bears, the 86 Mets, and they're wild personalities and so colorful. Um, you, you know, I, I remember I think Rob Parker, and I'm weird I'm quoting him, but, like, <laughs> I think he, he said it, where who do you forget? You forget the team that lost, and you forget the team that only won it once. So I think that's part of it. Um, but I just think it needs – it shouldn't be there because you have, you know – I watched the movie Air. People are talking about, you know, there's the last dance came out. Now the MJ love is still going with Air. And, you know, is that a, a huge moment in sports and marketing? I think beyond sports, just marketing. Yeah. What Nike and MJ did, absolutely. But people forget that what happened is in the 70s when it was too black, too drug riddled, Dr. J was carrying that mantle. Pretty much it's on him. There's nobody else. And he carried the NBA and has the Converse deals. And he's in the movie, you know, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. And that laid the foundation for Bird and Magic to do it, which then led it for Mike uh, Mike and Nike to go there. So people forget that Doc started that. And Doc really led the way for that marketability. And Doc did it at a much harder time when the games were on tape delay. The finals right. were tape delayed. It was too black. It was, the drug problem was, you know, starting to really run rampant. Yeah, they were beating each other up on the court. Like, dude, yeah, the fights. Yeah. yeah, it was legit fights. It was just nasty. Um, they didn't have David Stern in there with the marketing vision yet. So it's like, man, what Dr. J did, you know, it's it's kind of like I remember we did the 01 Sixer Raptor episode, what Vince Carter did for Canada yes. in Toronto bringing basketball which is impressive enough. That's a franchise. Dr. J did a whole league where the whole two leagues. <laughs> yeah. Two leagues. Really? You're right. Good point. ABA and NBA. So I feel like that's where it's forgotten. And I think like that kind of, it bothers me, but it hurts that it's not Afro Dr. J who we all want to go to. Right. He's an older man. He's in, which is funny. Cause he's not by today's standards, but back in the eighties, when you hit your early 30s, you're yeah. on the decline. Yeah. So he's an older player, and then it's Doc with the shorter haircut. And it's not – he still can move. He still can fly, but not flying the way he did back yeah. with the New York Nets. So I think that also plays a part in it too. Yeah, and I can't imagine Afro Dr. J and David Stearns being the commissioner and Dr. J is doing all the stuff that he's been doing and, and did, right, you know, his entire career. What, what David Stern would have been able to do with that. And then you look at Dr. J. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Dr. J, right? Like, if you look at him as a player, but as a person as well, right? Like, there was, you know, on the court, like, there was no real issues with Dr. J. Like, he was such a great ambassador for the game and for the league, right? And, again, we talked about both leagues. So, you know, I, I was going to ask you, Jeremy, like, you know, I, I was trying to think of, like, another – I'm thinking Magic Johnson is another one, right? Like, 
just like an all-time great like ambassador of the league, right? In any sport, right? But because again, like we're looking at Dr. J, and he's been doing it since the 70s, man. Like, and still doing it to this day. You see him at Sixers games now, playoff games. He's ringing the bell. He's taking pictures. He's signing autographs. Like, man, like I can't think of anyone else like that's that big, right? Because Magic was big too, you know. But like that big of a superstar, still like giving back to the league and things like that. Like I, I can't even because Jordan isn't doing it. Magic's now is a businessman. He's doing it behind the scenes. Like Dr. J is always there. Like in the crowd, like, you know, doing shows and stuff like that. Like, I, I just, I was trying to think of, like, another prominent sports figure like Dr. J, and I honestly couldn't come up with another name. Like, that was I just always, like, always involved. You know what I mean? Like, it's always involved. I'm trying to think. Uh, it is hard. Uh, I'm trying to think who's that well-known and that it's, I think we have one. I think Peyton Manning could become that. Yeah, he, he hasn't had the longevity of Doc, but Peyton Manning. It's everywhere. Think, yeah, <laughs> he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought. Now there's scandal involved with him. Brett Favre. Yeah, could as a player could have been that. Um, I think that kind of has died down with what's happened recently, yeah. but Favre could have had it. Um, John Madden was not a player, but he did play. He didn't really play long, but he was a coach. But Great ambassador for the NFL. Uh, it, it is tough. It's very hard to, to find that yeah. those guys. But I, I think my next up would be probably, I believe, Peyton Manning. No, that's a good name. No, that's that's oh Strahan. Strahan, I think, could do it too. Yeah, but I, yeah, no, I I, I see that too. Um, because they're on TV, they're 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 always seen and stuff like that. But it's just Ooh. like the go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, sorry, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, that's another good name. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw did a lot of NFL, A lot of NFL guys, yeah. Um, no, nah, I, I agree. And then again, like, but to, to get back to the point, right, um, like, like, I felt like, like Dr. J died, right? He, like, you know, for Bird and Magic to, like, be able to do what they had to do. Not, like, figuratively, of course, but. You know, like he laid the foundation. He went through all the struggle, right? And all the bullshit that he had to deal with, with the league the way it was. And it was like, you know, it, it was rough. You know, it was a lot, you know, act Rudy T. You know what I'm saying? Like Rudy Tomzanovich, like almost getting his head knocked off in, in the middle of the game. So, you know, what he did carry, he went, got through all that, continued to carry the team, continued to carry the NBA with grace. Cause that's one thing, like that's, that word is used a lot. With Dr. J, it, it fits perfectly. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he did all of that. And then again, early 80s, here he comes, these two young guys. And then David Stern grabs these two young guys. And now it's like, you know what? I'm going to take, the, I'm going to shift the lead totally. And and did a good job. But you said earlier there, I mean, you talked about like a conspiracy theory, right? With Bird and Magic. I, I need you to get into that a little bit because you touched on it and then moved on to something else. So. You know, that I, I'm curious on what you mean by that. Uh, well, just for me, it means like David Stern, when he got in there, wanted and he was in he was in the league office before. You know, that's but when he he wanted. So like his first year in 84, it, it was a dream come true because he had bird magic. He had the big markets, which Philly's a big market, but he had L.A., Boston, yeah. East versus West, two young guys, black versus white. 
uh, the styles, contrast. That's what he wanted. I believe if you look at in 1980, because the championship game between Bird and Magic, 79. So, and that's the most watched title game still to this day. So that if you can get them to repeat that in 1980, even though David Stern's like a depth, whatever, he's lead counsel, deputy commissioner, they would have started that hype. That would have started oh, yeah. going there. If you look at it, fine. 82, the Lakers are back in. And then, uh-oh, Sixers up 3-1, but they lose two in a row. We're finally going to get that. We're finally going to have it. And you could tell, like, Boston wanted it because then beat L.A. chance. That's 82. Um, I just feel like the league, David Stern was big on. He wants the big markets. He wants the name. And if he could have the Lakers, like he said, I think there's a quote, the Lakers and Knicks meet in the finals every year, he would. And that was the mindset he was trying to get the whole time. And I feel like when we look at revisionist history, the Sixers stopped that. Yeah. Just like the bad boys years later stopped a lot of that. It stopped Michael from getting there. Right. And they're kind of frowned upon for it. So do I think they're as frowned upon as the bad boys? No, because they weren't that kind of team. But I think that's easy to kind of forget about it, where it kind of it stopped the narrative. It stopped that bird and magic, you know. Machine. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that machine that's still strong 40-some-odd yeah. years later. And that they were facing each other from 79 on. It was every year. It was them two. It would have been in a way. Not every, but it kind of would have been if the Sixers didn't break that up. So I think you look back at that time, it's easy to kind of push them to the side with that. Right. So then we're talking about, right, like the Sixers, obviously, and that early success they had in, in the early 80s. And, you know, again, I talked to you about this earlier. And it's like, you know, say Magic Johnson doesn't have a triple-double game seven. Right of the of the finals against the Sixers, Kareem was hurt. Right, obviously we all know the story, and that's the reason why. And everybody in Philly thought this was over. Like Kareem's out, Sixers are going to come, you know, at home and going to win the game and and game series over championship, you know, to the Sixers. Say Dr. J wins that championship, right? Say you know they beat the Celtics, they go up three one. Maybe Celtics, you know, take it to a game seven. Sixers win that, you know, win the finals again. And then they win again in 82 at 83. Now you're looking at Dr. J with a couple titles there, possible three-peat, you know, or three championships in the 80s. We were talking about, like, the GOAT conversation, right? You're obviously Jordan and, you know, now LeBron. Like, with the with the impact that Dr. J had on the league, right? Not only, again, like winning championships, but just the style of play and what he brought and how he shifted the NBA and changed the NBA. Is that gold conversation different because, again, now Doc has a couple titles under his belt or is it just like semantics and it's all about Jordan and LeBron later on and stuff like that? Well, I, I think I think what hurt him, I, I really look back on it. The, the Sixers weren't going to win in 82. Right. Like the Lakers were better. Uh, the Sixers were down three. So, you know, Kareem gets hurt in game five and then the Lakers still wind up winning. And then 3-2, they're back two games at the Spectrum, I believe. And, no, it might have been back and forth. But the game six at the Spectrum, and they thought that they were going to win and Kareem's done. Uh, I, I look at that as kind of like if, if they would have won, if Magic gets, as it get 42 and close it out, people would have been saying years later well, that Kareem got hurt. Yeah, I think the one that hurts, and I think they would have done it, is 81 
And when they have the 3-1 lead and then they blew it and then they lose, I think the three games they lose, it like combined seven points. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and there those if anyone has ever watched those games and watching game seven of that conference finals, it is just so physical. It's down to the wire. It's like the refs, I don't think they swallowed. They just like they bring the whistle. whistle. They yeah, that's true. Yeah. They didn't bring the whistle. It's just such a physical game. And it's 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 a heartbreaking loss for the Sixers, but they get they would have gotten the Rockets in '81 with Mo, Moses, and I think they would have won that title. I don't think he's in the goat conversation. I think it it looks a little bit better, but I think he just gets what hurts is his glory days yeah. were the ABA. They weren't in the NBA, and it shouldn't hurt him. I look at like to compare it to football. Joe Namath's glory was the AFL, but his allure is still there. Right? Why is and to me, Dr. J is a better basketball player than Joe Namath was as a quarter. Namath was a great quarterback, but Dr. J is better. Namath, his win, his guarantee helped to help along with making America football America's game, but also combine the leagues. Dr. J really made the leagues merge, honestly, yeah. like you said earlier. So to me, I don't know why we don't include what Dr. J did in the ABA, but that's another story. But I feel like he'll always be hurt by that, by his glory days professionally were in the ABA. Yeah, and that's a good comparison, actually, with him and Namath. And again, I agree. I think Dr. J's career is better than Namath's career, but <clears throat> excuse me, but it's a good comparison because, like, again, like, their careers were kind of split, you know, between two leagues. So, no, nah, I like I like that comparison a lot. And um, But, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, he didn't do enough to be in that goal conversation, you know, because, um, again, Mike had all the scoring titles and stuff like that. LeBron, dove, you know, did what LeBron's doing, let's just say. And I don't think Doc was there, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I just think his impact was just as big as those two other guys. So that's why, you know, I wanted to, to ask that com- that question. So, no, but that's a good point. I love the name of this point. Great point. Yeah. Um, and for me, when you look at it, so I'll say this stat line really quick because then I, you got to get to, you know, the yeah. big man. But you look at from the 79-80 season to the 84-85 season. So that's six years. It's a long stretch. Long stretch. The Sixers went to five conference finals mm. in the in that six-year span. Three NBA Finals, one title. You got Hall of Famers of Moses, Bobby Jones, Dr. J, and Maurice Cheeks. And you have another all-star in Andrew Toney. Billy Cunningham's a Hall of Fame player. Player, But if you look at what he did as a coach, you could make a case he could go in as a coach for what his numbers were then too. Uh, Chuck Daly was an assistant in that run, and that's how he kind of rose up in the NBA. So uh, Matt Gukas winds up rising up in the NBA like that, too, as an assistant coach. So a great coaching staff as well. Um, this team, Pat Williams, the GM, yeah. this team did a lot for the NBA, did a lot, and they should be remembered, honestly, way more than what they are. Yeah, because, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like they have everything that all these great teams have, right? Like they have the Hall of Fame players. 
they're top heavy Hall of Fame players, but again, deep enough that you 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 have a Bobby Jones in there that a lot of people may not remember, but was a great player, obviously a Hall of Fame player. You look at, you know, like those Bulls teams, like you have Michael, Scotty, right? But you still have to me, they have more role players than what the Sixers team had. Now you get Robin later on, but you know, which are another Hall of Famer, but you know, we're going three deep there. And if you look at the Pistons teams, like, you know, they were they were what they were, right? They were a great defensive team and, you know, can do a lot of other things. But if you look at, like, the depth of that team compared to, like, the Sixers team, I think the Sixers team is a much better team. But, you know, then you look at Celtics and Lakers. I think the Celtics and Lakers were better teams than the Sixers. But, you know, if you look at all-around rosters. But the Sixers, again, that we were talking about in the early 80s, like, they were they were, they were giving Boston everything they could handle and some more, you know, and, and, and winning a lot of those games. So, Again, that, that lends to the point where we were talking about. It's like, man, like this team had everything that you need to be a great team or a dynasty, except for that other title. You know, if they win another one of these titles, I think they, I would hope they would be talked about more. No, I, I would hope so. But, and I still think that they should be in that exception of they won one, but we got to talk about them more. But I don't know who's disrespected more, though, Jose, the 83 Sixers or one player in particular. And I'm going to read off some names and some MVPs. Yeah. So we know Kareem won six. MJ and Russell have five. LeBron and Wilt, four. Magic, Bird, and Moses have three. We go to the two group. Bob Pettit has two. Carl Malone, Tim Duncan, Carl Steve Malone Nash. Carl Malone, wow. 997, 99, yeah. Hmm. Steve Nash, Steph Curry, Giannis, and Joker. Yeah. Now, of all those people who won multiple MVPs, I'm going to say there's two names who we never hear. And one, even though it's, it's wrong, but I Bob Pettit played yeah. in the fifth. I know you know, but I know Bob Pettit. He, to me, before Tim Duncan was the greatest power forward ever, but he did play in the 50s. Okay. And Moses Malone, who has three MVPs, and you never hear anyone talk about Moses. I mean, a perennial, to me, there's no all-time list. Moses, he's definitely a top 20 guy. I would say even you could put him in the top 15 yeah. of all time. And so, to me, that's where it's even a bigger crime, where you have the name of Dr. J, and you have a top 15, top 20 all-time player in Moses coming. So you have the star power, the name power, and yet this team is still overlooked today. Yeah. Moses, 12 consecutive all-star appearances. You know, you mentioned three MVPs. And, like, if you look at his stretch in Houston, you know what I mean? Just look at that alone, right? Like, in his prime, right, doing, you know, what dudes do in their prime, right, great players. And if you start – if we started at a 78-79 season, you know, he averaged 24-25 a game and almost 18 rebounds a game. Like this dude was a rebounding machine. Like he might have been, he might he might be the best rebounder of all time. Like, you know, he's 18 a game, man. That's like, that's insane, right? So you you know, the next season, I'm not gonna go every season, but you know, I'm I'm just gonna make the point, right? Like you, you know, the next season, 26, you could say if you're rounding up, and 14 and a half rebounds, you know, almost two blocks a game. You know, the year after that, 27 and 15 again, 31 and almost 15, 25 and 15. Like, these are insane numbers. And if you have other guys putting up these numbers, and not only that, right, 
you can be a great player, but what you do against other great players, right? Ask ask Kareem what what you know what Moses would do like when they matched up one on one. Career Kareem could not handle he Moses gave him all types of work, like you know, and he people would say, and I've seen it written and stuff that like the one player that that can handle Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was Moses Malone. You know what I'm saying? Because he would play him physically. He knew he was tight. He, he would, you know, he did very, like, he timed that sky hook really well. He gave Kareem, you know, gave him a lot of trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and how physical Moses Malone was. And he wasn't a seven-footer. You know what I mean? Like, he was a he was a big, solid dude, but he just anticipated rebounds so well. He's, uh, he's an all-time. I agree. I think he's a top 15 player, top five or six center of all time. Like, you know, the, he was such a great player. But, again, the most – quietest hall of fame that you can probably ever think about right and i think the most underrated player in league history hands down is moses malone and not only that let's talk about it so 83 what does everyone know them for fo 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 that quote that's what moses is most known for that quote fo 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 and they wind up going fo five fo so let's break it down jose that back then it was three. They had a buy because they were sixty-seven and fifteen, right. and so then they had three rounds. And he's saying that they're going to sweep <laughs> all three rounds, every round, yeah, which is insane to say that, right? And then now he didn't get the he won off the Milwaukee Bucks, a very good Milwaukee Bucks team, yes. You know, with Sidney Moncrief and Marquise Johnson and an older but still solid Bob Lanier, uh, Don Nelson as the coach. They won one game. They took them to five. They didn't get swept. I, I just know this, right? We talk about Namath guaranteeing a Super Bowl, which is great. We did an episode on Mark Messier in 94, the Rangers guarantee. We, they're, they're down 3-2. We will win game six. That's phenomenal. I don't understand why we don't talk more about someone saying not just we're going to win us, we're going to win a series, not that we're going to sweep a series, which is impressive enough, saying that we're going to sweep all three series (laughs) and becoming one game off and not talking about the kind of guarantee that is and putting it in that lore. That blows my mind that it just becomes a saying and it almost gets laughed at because of Moses' broken English. And we don't sit there and break down. Yo, this dude predicted three sweeps and was one game off. Right. Because you always hear about, like, these amazing playoff runs. You hear about, like, that old 2000-2001 Lakers. They lost the one game to the Sixers in the finals. People always talk about that playoff run, like how dominant they were. They were almost a team, first team, like, you know, one of the teams that go undefeated in the playoffs, like, but I was just – I used to say, like, wait a minute. Like, there was other teams that have done that. Sixers did that, and the dude predicted it, like, you know, and almost predicted it. And I agree. Like, you hear about all these guarantees and how, you know, that Messier one is going to live forever. Again, obviously, the Namath one you mentioned also it's going to live forever. You know, I know Jimmy Butler just did it the other day a couple of weeks ago, and they got their asses kicked. So, <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't that's cause, just because dudes say it doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? But – Again, I agree. Like this guy came out who was not like a real like like flamboyant type of player. He was just like, no, we're gonna sweep every round. Like, and that's the thing with this team, like that people again are not really talking about how dominant they were. And when Pete said that, people were like, Yeah, 
like that's that can happen. Like this team is that good that they can go into every series and just sweep them all out and just go and win the title that way. Like, like I agree. Like that's and it, even for me myself, like I took that for granted. Like yeah, four four four. Like yeah, the Sixers were great, but no, like holy shit. Like this dude, like was they were that team was that confident that they were going to win each round that he just came out and said that and they and they almost proved him right. Right, and and to me, is it like? Is two things are they penalized because they didn't get it done? Because I they hope didn't not. get you know <laughs> because they instead of going thirteen and or no uh, twelve and oh they went twelve and one. Are they penalized for that, or does it come down to the fact that it's uh it, it's it's Moses vernacular, in my right. opinion, and because it's funny because he said fo fo fo, and that people want to make fun of the quote and laugh at the quote. And really not break down what the man was saying and how improbable that is to go in predict it. Everyone knows it. So now not only does your teammates know it, the opposition know big target on your back and they still can't stop you. Yeah. And he's given everyone work. Like it's not even like they can't eat like yeah, they couldn't stop him, but it's he was just dominant. And he was like the one of those dominant players that you again, you don't hear about anymore like you hardly hear about Moses Malone obviously and you know rest in peace Moses Malone but like he was dominant like he was again we were rattling off numbers that was those are not just for those years like you know that continued on again 12 straight all-star appearances and you mentioned the three MVPs like like how many three-time MVPs that we barely don't talk about like you look at you know you talked about the Joker right now and if he gets another MVP they're like oh my god like is he the best center of all time like are you like this dude already has done stuff like this and dominated a lot more than than some of these other players currently. So it it, it is. It's total disrespect. It blows my mind. And I, I don't understand what it is either, like, that people do not talk. Again, we talked about this team, but these individual players enough. Like, it's it's just insane. It's criminal. It's criminal. And, and to me, like you said, I mean, the only one – I'm going to give, like, because the 01 Lakers, I'm not knocking them. Like, it was a great run, what they did. And they had an extra round, you know. But they were 56 and 26 during the regular season, which is it's a good record. It's not dominant, though. No. You know, they went into the finals. They had the same regular season record as the Sixers did in 01. You know, the only one I can give, you know, that 17 Warriors team, that was that was loaded. That was with Durant. Yeah. They brought Durant in. That one I can yeah, – that those and, but they didn't guarantee anything. No. Imagine but if they would have, though. If Durant comes in, very similar situation, right? Great player already, right, coming off an amazing season and go to a really good team already, right? Like the Warriors were obviously champions at that point, and the Sixers were very, very close, right? So everybody looked at that Sixers team like they need a center, right? They need somebody down there that can handle Kareem and handle these other big guys. You know, with the Warriors, they needed they didn't really need another piece, but they got another piece. And if Durant comes in and goes, Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sweep the playoffs, like and they win a championship, like people will still be talking about that. Like so much that he had like, you know, the the balls to say stuff like that and almost pull it off. And if they pull it off, is this the best team of all time? Like and it's a very similar situation with Moses coming in here. Like it, it's just that's a really good comparison too, because it, it just but yeah, that that seventeen team. It's, 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 that's a loaded team, and that one I can be like, Eesh. yeah, that's that's ooh, that's hard 
to top right there. So I don't knock I don't knock that like that one is okay. But the Lakers bother me because great run. We know Shaq and Kobe were in sync in that, but they they were not that dominant. Yeah, they in the put it together. Season. They put it together at the end there. You know what I mean? Like it, it all came together and 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 it was history, obviously. But you know, I remember reading the quote years ago. Um, I forget, I think it might have been one of the local Philly writers was talking about when they went to training camp after they did the sign and trade to get Moses and they were just Moses just kind of like laying up against like the bleachers over at old St. Joseph's University and stuff. And the reporter said, Moses, how many games do you think you're going to win this year? And he said, um, probably about 70. And he wasn't being cocky. But he really thought, well, hey, we're going to come in here and do this. And I think the egos being checked aside from Moses, from Doc, to come in and make this work is just phenomenal. Um, and people don't talk about that enough, that those two guys, those stars came together to make this thing work. Moses said, hey, I'm here to help Doc win. He knew he was the best player. But yeah, he said, yeah. this is Doc's team. Doc's the captain. And Doc knew that. And said, yeah, I'm the captain, but it goes as Moses goes. And that's why those guys went on that run. Right. And I think it's more of a credit to Moses, right? Because, again, he was the younger, more dominant player coming off an MVP, right? Like, he was a great, great player, one of the best players in the game. And he came in here and, again, checked his ego and was like, look, I'm here to win a championship. Like, a lot of players are not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, again, Going back to 2017, like, I think Durant did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he came in, he went, he got him to go to state, and he could have been, you know, like, I need the ball, I'm going to do this and this and that. And he really played into the system. I think Moses did the same exact thing. I give a lot of credit to Billy Cunningham as well. Like, kind of like, even before they signed him, they were like, this is what we're going to do, and this is what you're going to have to do. Are you on board with this, right? And, I, you know, again, because he also had, like, enough clout to – Billy Cunningham, I mean, like, had enough clout to, like, approach Moses like that. Because, again, the Sixers were really good, you know what I mean, like, without him. So they knew if they added Moses, it was it was over with. And, and that's exactly what happened. So, and, and we must remember for that, the, a lot of names who were a part of that run before 83, the few of them had to go. It was tough. You know, Chocolate Thunder, RIP Daryl Dawkins was a big yeah. part of. Huge fan favorite. Know, Huge fan favorite and a big part of that run, you know, from he got drafted out of high school. One of the OG guys that get drafted out of high school are Moses. Moses too, and, yeah. And and Daryl Dawkins, you know, Moses 74, went to the ABA, Daryl Dawkins in 75, him and, you know, and Bill Ellerby too. But, you know, Moses uh, was part of those teams in 77, 80, 81, 82. They, they ship him off to New Jersey, Caldwell Jones. Yeah. Hard-working defensive guy would do whatever for the team, uh, was beloved by his teammates, and was also a good friend with Moses. Moses didn't want him to go, but uh, Harold Katz, the team owner of the Sixers, said we had to clear out space, you know. Um, so Caldwell had to go, you know, from that team. So uh, Steve Mix also had to be traded. He was a big part of that team. So a lot of guys, you know, who were on that team who were names. A lot of success, to too. A lot of success had to be cleared for Moses to come in. Yeah, which is, again, a big deal. And that's what you have to do to to go all in, right, as they say. And it's like if you're going all in, some you know, you're going to have to move a few things around. And at that point in time, 
you know, like the teams weren't spending the money they were spending today. And, you know, I think Moses was getting what, 2 million for a year, like yeah. something like that. I think he got like 13 million his deal. It was, that was unheard of. Like that was, you know, Pat Williams, I, I know he was quoted and talking about that. Like, you know, and Pat Williams, if you don't know who Pat Williams is, you know, he was a GM for a long time. He's the one that, you know, when Shaq was drafted and Penny and all that in Orlando, that was Pat Williams. So, um, but again, he was a young GM here with the Sixers at that point. And, you know, he talked about like, you know, him making $2 million. It's like, wow, like how big was that? And, you know, but again, that's what you have to do when you're going all in. I give Harold Katz a lot of credit, you know, at that point in time of his tenure, um, him understanding that, like, what can I do? To, to put us over the top and we just need one piece and it's like a big man in the middle and he went and got arguably the best one in the league. Yeah, Harold Katz was the Sixers team owner at the time and it, uh, it's someone who, it's weird because he did bring them a title. He helped to bring a title, but, you know, afterwards did so many awful things Yes, that yeah, yes. he's one of the people that you could say he won a championship but his cons so outweigh his pros, it's not even funny. So this is one of the few times you'll hear people compliment Harold Katz and the thing as is, an owner. His pro with bringing Moses in is another huge con of him too. Like, you know, and when they got rid of Moses, it's it's an yeah. insane, terrible and, and trade. We look at this team, what Harold, how Harold Katz in the future treated Andrew Tony. Right. And what he did with Andrew Tony, with Andrew Tony's foot problems, and how insensitive he was, and to the point where forty years later, Andrew Tony still does not come around the Philadelphia 76ers and the franchise because of how poorly he was treated, which is a shame. It um, is a shame. You look at the big one was the '86 draft, and that's where the Sixers had the first pick, and mm-hmm. not only. You know, the, the stories just keep coming out about that draft and about how bad the Sixers were. But I remember hearing Brad Darty on a podcast a few, couple years ago talking about how he went up, the Sixers still had the pick, and Harold Katz invited him to his house. And then he thought it was like an interview, and then Harold Katz had like somebody over and wanted Brad Darty to play one-on-one, and Brad Darty's in street clothes, so he did it. He didn't know any better. So then Brad Darty goes back to Chapel Hill and he's talking to Dean Smith. And <laughs> Dean's like, Well, how did it go? Well, you know, he's at and Brad's like, Well, you know, I went to meet Mr. Katz and he had me playing one on one. And he said, Dean Smith said, What? He had you playing one on one? He goes, In your street clothes? And he was like, Yeah. And Dean Smith was ticked and said, Hold on. And Dean Smith made calls and like chewed out Harold because Brad Darty could have gotten hurt. And everything could have been done right there on what was not a scheduled workout or anything like that. And Dean Smith, the wise man he was, knew, like, you're not treating my my guy right and you're risking a lot here. And so, you know, those are just some of the few, but, like, Harold Wait, Katz. Yeah, Harold Katz, he drafted Sean Bradley too, right? Wasn't he a part yeah. of that? Yeah, Harold Katz, is, I think he was still a part of the Yeah, OMG. he was because he was, like, he's going to be a transcendent player. And yeah. you have Weber and Penny, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so again, if you if you don't you're not familiar with how cats, there's a lot of cons like there we mentioned. So yeah, look him up if you you know a lot of Philly people will know him, but if outside because it's weird because he brought the last title to the t- team and you would think we'd be like wow, but nope, like yeah, it's still like yeah, good job, but you're still an awful owner. 
So, uh, so yeah, but Harold Cast did have the foresight to bring in uh, right. Moses, so I'll give him credit for that. But, Jose, there's, you know, a few other guys on this team who really don't get talked about. And, you know, we look at Mo Cheeks, yeah. Andrew Tony, Bobby Jones. Two of them are Hall of Famers now. Andrew Tony, with I mentioned the foot injuries, was a perennial all-star. Without those feet injuries, a lot of people say guaranteed Hall of Famer. And most of the people in that era say he was the toughest guy to defend in that yeah. era as well. You know? Yeah, and I know we touched on him, you know, during our two-part series on, on Charles Barkley. So check the archives for that. Check him. But, you know, in that we were mentioning the article that, that Pete had wrote, Pete Corrado, and on there was like a really good quote from Cindy Moncrief. And um, I, it, it just kind of like blew my mind because, again, we didn't watch him play, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to read the quote, right? But pretty much like comparing him to MJ, you know what I'm saying? Like it offensively, like what he can do offensively. You you know, we talked about it again in that Barkley episode. You hear Charles Barkley talk about Andrew Tony all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, and how an incredible player he was. He averaged almost 20 points a game in, for 82-83 with the Sixers in that run. So he was their third best player, maybe their second best player at this point over Doc. A lot of people say second at that point, yeah. Right. So it's like he was he was great offensively. And you talked about Bobby Jones a little bit. I wanted to talk about him too. Um, I wanted to give you the floor on this, but you know, everybody thinks of Bobby Jones as this great defender. All-time great dunk on Larry Bird, dunked on him right in his neck, you know. Um, but talk about Bobby Jones a little bit for a lot of the listeners who are, are not as familiar with who he is. Again, he's a Hall of Fame player, so, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are familiar with him. But for those who are not, there, I mean, just give a little quick synopsis on, on how great Bobby Jones was. Bobby Jones, uh, you can really say one of the great six men of all time. He really was, he was a starter. But for 82-83, Billy thought we needed a spark off the bench with all these trades. So he went to Bobby and was worried about it. And then Bobby said, no problem. Win six-man of the year award. I think that might have been the first year that they had the six-man of the year award. Yeah, it's very early on in that awards history. Yeah, so Bobby Jones won that. Uh, Bobby Jones, a great player from North Carolina, played for Dean Smith in the 70s, was huge. You know, you look at the connecting piece there so after the 77 finals when you have the the first year dr j was here you have doc and you have another great aba play you know george mcginnis yeah and doc kind of tapered his scoring down because george was a scorer and you really had guys who were very similar whether they take you one-on-one and score after the 77 78 year they trade george mcginnis a great scoring player for bobby jones to compliment julius and did he ever yeah. Bobby Jones, one of the great defensive players of all time. But people also forget, like you said, Jose, he could run the fast break and one of the great finishers of all time. Oh, yes. Um, it was something in me where he kept being a finalist for the Hall of Fame for so long. And I'm saying, you got to put Bobby in. I was glad that they did because Bobby Jones, worthy of a Hall of Famer. And I look at it like this. What the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, you, people can critique, and I've critiqued it a lot myself, I'm not going to lie to you. But what I always will say is a, a lot of times, not just to be voted into the Hall of Fame recognition-wise, people who are great offensive players, 
but don't give a damn about defense. They don't do nothing. Right. They, and they get in the Hall of Fame. They get called so great, so great. And it always bothered me then if you have a great defensive player who's not an offensive guy, give that person the love too. Let's be real. I'd rather have the great defender who's not a great scorer than the other way around, in my opinion. At least I think maybe the NBA is changing a little bit today where it's kind of not yeah. the same. But for most of my time watching basketball, give me that great defensive player. Defense wins championships. And Bobby Jones, he's one of the great defensive players of all time, in my opinion. And and I'm not going to say he's Russell or, you know, a Pippen or a Gary Payton, but to me, he's high on that list. And he was a perennial great defender for a long time. And right. the Sixers don't win without him. Oh, absolutely not. And 6'9", you know, length, he had it all. You know, he was, you know, he had long arms, you know, but again, you mentioned him running up and down the court. So, you know, one wing, you got Bobby Jones running up and down. On the other, you got Dr. J running up and down, right? And he talked about Maurice Cheeks and him pushing point for the Sixers and just making sure everybody was, you know, in the right position. He's like your prototypical, you know, talk about another great defensive player, your prototypical point guard who, where he's going to run the show. And this is before you know, that point guard position shifted to, you know, more of an offensive player. But what Maurice Cheeks did was make sure, like, these guys on the wings were getting the ball out quickly. And the great part of having Moses on this team was Moses was getting rebounds and just kicking it, and they were gone. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and they can run, and they can run with anybody, the Lakers, Celtics, anybody. Because, again, you had these guys on the wings that were able to do that but you had that point guard who was going to put them all in the right position and make sure that if they're running on the fast break, he's going to get them the ball, right? And then now you look at, you know, what the Sixers not only can do offensively that, you know, and this, that I was just, we we're going to keep it to this year, but, you know, they were like fifth in defensive rating for that year as well. And you, I mean, you have a Bobby Jones, Maurice Cheeks, Moses Malone, right? Like these are three great defenders. And then Doc was even working on his defense. I'm not saying Doc was a great defender, but, you know, he was towards the end of his career, he was trying to get better at that, right? And and he exactly did. And you had Andrew Tony, who was a shooting guard, but he was really strong and was able to like hold his own defensively. But when you have and Clint Richardson off the bench as a defender, oh, absolutely, too. absolutely. I, I was just thinking, like, you know, like these more main guys, but um, when you mostly like when your players are like, most of your like important players are also great defensively, then you can you're gonna be in every game. You know what I'm saying? Like and you mentioned there, I mean like I'd rather have the I'd rather have the great defender too that can make a couple shots and, you know, run up and down the court. Because again, like that old adage, like defense with championships and with this Sixers team, they can do it offensively, but they would really beat people defensively. They would just wear you out. No, I um I have something here. It's from Bill Simmons wrote the book of basketball back in like 2009 and he had his whole pyramids about the great yes. players. Then he had this one on teams and he went to the, you know, he gave honorable mentions and he got to the top 10, his top 10 and he got to number eight and he said the 83 Sixers and let's, I'll read you what he said. So before you go in there, is that too low or too high or right at, what are your opinion? And in your opinion, I, I might, I think I know what you're Too low. Okay, yeah. Not, not off. Not. I mean, and this is before. So it might be a little bit different because he wrote this in 09. Yeah. So now, like, you got to add, like, the Warriors, like, yeah. those Durant teams and stuff. So 
it's too low for this time period. I, it might be right if I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I just want to ask you that real quick. Yeah, no, good, it's a good question. Uh, let's see. He starts with my vote for most overrated great team. That's the that's the line he opens with. You had the following things in play. The Celtics turned against Coach Bill Fitch. Worthy broke his leg and missed the last four months of the Lakers season. Larry Brown killed a 49-win Nets team. And pretty much he said the Sixers, you know, were a textbook level one team. Uh, cocaine had ravaged the league and sapped talent out of the key stars. He said, you had Moses in his prime, but Doc and Bobby at the tail end. And Tony was an offensive force. But it's no wonder that that's why they only won it that year. And then he mentions that the Lakers were missing Worthy. And then Norm Nixon and McAdoo got hurt later on in the 83 finals. The Lakers were banged up. I'll say that. The Lakers that Lakers finals, they, they were a beat up team. And he goes he goes to how do we know the Sixers, A three Sixers were overrated? Look at their title defense when they returned everyone from their top eight and couldn't get out of the first round. It's not like the eighty four Celtics knocked them out. Nope. It was the eighty four Nets with Mike Jaminski, Albert King, Buck Williams, and Michael Ray Richardson. Buck Williams is a good player. <laughs> and I'll say this. I, I, wanna, I want you and us, but also the people listening to decide, do you think there's any validity? So we're not being biased. Do you think there's validity in what he's saying? So I'm going to look at the source, right? So a diehard Celtics fan, you know what I mean? Like, it's talking shit on, you know, one of the all-time great teams in, in NBA history. So, again, I you can't – I mean, you can't. Sixers can't like they can't control who the Lakers had on their team, right? I don't care who the Sixers were playing in the finals that year; they were going to win that 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 series, right? I just think the team was had gelled. They were just such a great cohesive unit. Like they were going to win that NBA title that season. Now I would give them credit on the '84 season. You know what I'm saying? Like '83, '84 season, and how they did not come with like that same attitude, and you know they were really feeling themselves and and they end up losing in the first round, right? Like, I, I'll give him that, and I agree with that. But everything else, like, and he, I mean, he was right, like the, like the assessment of the team, right? Like, Moses was the best player. You know, Doc was towards the end. Bobby Jones was getting there. And Andrew Tony was a force offensively. Like, he's not wrong in any of that. But I, I don't think – I think Worthy is playing for the Lakers. They still crush the Lakers. I don't know if they I still, think, but I think they're, they're, they're beating them. Yeah, the Lakers are losing. I like. And what I don't like is Norm Nixon did play in a couple games and he got hurt. And I think McAdoo might have played a couple and they got hurt during it, but they were they lost game that they played in. Right. Worthy, that's his rookie year. Right. Which I mean he was a nice rookie, but he's a rookie. And he also, like he said, he he got hurt. It's not like he got hurt like right when the playoffs started or right when the finals were gonna start. He missed the last four months of the year. He right. broke his so that, leg. So that adjustment's been made. Yeah, like that's where I'm like, I, I don't count the worthy factor because he's not big game James in 88. Like that's not the guy, yeah. same guy. This is the guy who the next year throws the ball to Gerald Henderson in the 84 finals because he wasn't ready for the big moments. So I, I don't want to hear that, Bill Simmons. Yeah, admittedly he was not ready. He said it yeah. himself, you know. So, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, don't agree with that assessment, that part of the assessment. I, I think 
the Sixers roll. If James Worthy is healthy, Mal McAdoo, all them guys are playing. I, I I don't think that year, I don't care who it was. Like it just wasn't going to matter. But for me, it almost it's weird because the way he wrote about him, it's a why'd you put him in your top ten? Right, right. If they're like, not, yeah, if they're not lucky, you know, leave them out of your top ten, and then B. He's the one I've heard say it so harshly. I'm not going to say I've heard this from any other people in all my years of love and NBA history, but I will say it reflects the way by the national media the 83 Sixers are looked at. Yeah. Which is, yeah, they had, they were great that year. Moses was great. Fo, fo, fo. They went fo, five, fo. Moving on. And they don't really talk about it. And I think that kind of reflects that this book. That one of the things Bill Simmons is known for, this book was a big time bestseller. The A three Sixers are mentioned as a top ten team and get trashed on for multiple paragraphs. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Jeremy. Like, do you think the way they dominated that season is is almost like not a good thing? You know what I mean? Like, and and they didn't have like that great series that people remember them by or. You know, that one big game, like, you know, we got the, the dunk by Dr. J and all that stuff. But, you know, is it that they were too dominant and people were just like, you know, it was just a lucky season? I don't know. Like, I don't know because the 96 Bulls were really dominant. Right. And we remember them. The 17 Warriors were dominant and they're going to be remembered. Um, so there are teams that were dominant. The 86 Celtics were dominant. We remember them. No, I agree. I'm just yeah, like, so, know, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think like outside, like what what people may be may might want to think. Yeah, I I honestly think it's the fact that of all the great centers that we could have gotten, we got the one who was very just hardworking and quiet, and he had you know that accent was kind of hard at times for people to understand. So you compound that. And I think of all the players we could have gotten, we got we bring in a guy who's the most humble, quiet guy, and no one remembers. I think it's a per- perfect player for the city of Philadelphia. Like, perfect for Philly, and not perfect for national attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what hurts it. But I, I, there's sometimes I can sit back when we do this show, and I can maybe say, okay, I see why, but I don't because to go out there and to guarantee to dominate the year and then to guarantee that we're going to sweep every story and to be one game off is one of the most incredible feats I think in pro sports history and no one talks about it. yeah it, it's insane I haven't really thought about that in that like magnitude but yeah because I'm so used to just hearing that you know what I'm saying like to us and, and, and you know us Philly fans it's just like you know it was it's not looked at as a guarantee it's just looked at like like a comment almost, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just, no, it's, he's guaranteeing what we're doing here in the playoffs. And I agree. And it, it needs to be talked about more. It's not talked about more, but that's what we do here, right? We, that's what we do here at bigger than the game. It's like, we bring those moments, we put them to light and hopefully folks, you know, other, other, other people start talking about it a little more like we're doing today. So let me ask you then, you said something earlier, you said, talked about, for single years, now we know the Lakers were a dynasty, the Celtics were a dynasty, but for single years that the 83 Sixers could compete with some of their best years, 
when you look at all the champions of the 80s, those individual seasons, where would you put the 83 Sixers? Oof. I don't know. I think that I would say third, I think off the top of my head. Um, I think that 86 Celtics team was all, all time great, you know. And then you got, I'm trying to remember, we, I can't remember the year, but it was just one of those like Lakers teams that I think the first year they beat Boston in the final. Probably, probably 87. Yeah. Yeah, 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 87. And it was just like they were, you could have put an all-star team on the floor and they, they were pretty much the all-star team for the West. And I don't, I don't think the Sixers beat those two teams, but I think, I think they beat both those Piston teams, you know, because again, I know they were great defensively, but I think the Sixers would be able to do enough with Moses down low. And then the Sixers can just lock them down. I think, you know, what the Pistons did offensively well, the Sixers matched up pretty well with them. So, um, it have been a great, great series though, for sure to watch that. But I think, yeah, I think, I think third would be my my vote. What do you what do you where do you got them at, Jeremy? I I definitely I would give it to the '86 Celtics for the decade, not the greatest team ever, but for the decade no, for that decade '86 yeah. Celtics. Um, and I go back and forth. I go back and forth between third and second. Um, probably wants to say second. Yeah. For that year, just what they were, and I think like if you match them up, like and and however you want to compare teams. Like for who dominated what that year, I'm gonna put them over the '87 Lakers, and then if you want to match them up, I think they give the '87 Lakers a lot of problems. You know, I think the big, I think even you know Magic, Mo Cheeks would, you know, no one's gonna shut down Magic. Right. right. Mo Cheeks is a tough defender, and man, he could make you turn. He could really make you turn. So I, I just think, and then no one would have had an answer for Andrew Tony. Michael Cooper didn't have it, and Byron Scott wouldn't have had one. So, yeah, I, I would say sec- I would give the '86 Celtics the best of the '80s, who's a top five team of all time, and I'm going to give the '83 Sixers right there. Nice. I would even put Bobby Jones on Magic. That'd have been a nice matchup. Um, That'd have been a great matchup. Yeah, but no, I, I, I can't argue that. You know what I mean? Again, like this, that, that, this '82, '83 run. I know it's been 40 years, but. It's again. It's it's it needs to be talked about. It's one of the best runs in NBA history from start from start to finish. And again, we we kind of compared a little bit their playoff run to that old one Lakers. But you made a great point there. I mean, like that Lakers team was not dominant from start to finish. Again, it picks it picked up steam towards the end of the year, and once the playoffs kicked off, they were rolling. Like there was there was nothing nobody can do. But you know, to come into the season to make that big free agent splash to add that again, I can only compare it to like the Celt- what I mean, not the Celtics, what the Warriors did to, to Durant, and it's just like them understanding they just needed that one player to get them over, and they just go get the best player, <laughs> and yeah, up, arguably the best player, and you know the Sixers did that, and it just it was like that last, you know, that last stone right for Thanos, and it was just like you know it was over once that they had that stone and it was that's exactly what happened with Moses and the Sixers Nah, because i think uh, what we felt in 2017 warriors was it was almost like why watch right it was unfair yeah and and like not just like why watch the playoffs why watch the year mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like what's the point uh the 83 sixers from everything was why watch you know right. why why watch um i do have this question for you though because they did beat the Lakers in the finals. So just real quick, do you think it changes? Because 
Boston got swept by Milwaukee, a good Milwaukee Bucks team. Yeah. But if Boston beats Milwaukee and then the Sixers, say we do foe, five foe, was the Celtics. Right. Does that change a little bit, you think? I, th- I think it gives them, again, like, you know, what Bill Simmons is arguing is that who they beat in the playoffs and stuff like that. Like, you add the Celtics onto that, and they, they, you know, they go five games against the Celtics and just roll through the Celtics, roll through the Lakers. It, you got to add that. That adds a little bit to it for sure. Because, again, like you're you're going through the teams that you're supposed to go through. Um, I can see how someone outside looking in can be like, oh, but they didn't play anybody in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like I can understand that. But you add you, – you you crush the Celtics and, you, and the Lakers in that same season, there's not a lot of teams maybe ever that were able to say that. True, true. So I I think that people need to do a deep dive, and we're gonna have Pete come on. Or, or you can't know, wait. Yeah, we're looking to have Pete. But either way, I you know we're gonna do a rewatch of of an '83 Sixers game and show this greatness because uh, it's forty years, and the Lord of Philadelphia still exists. Rest in peace, Moses. Um, but it's time that everyone starts talking about it. It's a shame he's gone. But that a guy is a three-time MVP in this league, has as many as Magic and Bird, more than a Carl Malone, more than Tim Duncan. I'm not saying he's better than Tim Duncan. Nah, but, I'm not saying. I'm know, not going there either. You know, more than even you know who we get talked. Steve Nash gets talked about a lot. He's way better than him. And Moses is not talked about. A three-time MVP doesn't get mentioned at all. Yeah, it's Travis. insane. Yeah, it's insane. And I don't know if it's because he's so quiet. I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe I don't know if the teams he played for, but people say, oh, he played for Houston. Yeah, Houston went to the finals. You know, he took them to the finals. So, you know, it's not like he didn't win either. So it's just one of those things in sports, man. Like some dudes just don't don't get that credit they deserve. And it happens often, you know. And, and again, like, but sometimes it's like it's looked at and you go, man, like that's, there's no way if if you would have given him, him like this same career to like uh I don't even know like a Reggie Miller give Reggie Miller three MVPs and you know this, like people are gonna never forget who Reggie Miller is like just because again like he was brash he was outspoken you know but now you add all the accolades to it when it's vice versa it's a shame like they just don't get that love and even it even Tim Duncan was the same way but at least he you know he got more championships and things like that. But, like, it's just not fair, like, to those guys who are not that brash and, and outspoken to, to get that credit they deserve. And, and I'll let the fans, the listeners decide who's more forgotten or disrespected, Moses or Doc. But just remember, when you're watching Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Viola Davis, who talk about carries the movie. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going it, to check it out, though. It's on Viola Davis' shoulders, I'll tell you that. Oof. Uh, like, she carries it. Like, it, it was, they don't have Viola Davis. It's, it's like, a really subpar. It's okay. It's decent. It's, like, subpar. She makes it. But that Nike deal, what Michael Jordan got, that's a direct link to riding the show, standing on the shoulders of Dr. J and what he did, which isn't really talked about a lot in the Air movie, but – it gets mentioned, but not like the way it should. So for people, Dr. J carried this league on his back for a, a whole decade and caused a merger and kept it afloat. So it's forgotten, but it shouldn't be what he did. 
And these are two of the most iconic people in NBA history on one team, on one of the greatest teams ever. So the 83 Sixers, we salute you. Absolutely. And Jeremy Dove loves you. (laughs) Always, always, man. That's a, this team means a lot to my family because it was talked about the stories of my parents used to go to a lot of games pre them being parents and they would go a lot of the games at the spectrum and they went to so many games during this 83 year, including a few playoff games against the Knicks and the, uh, the Bucks. They went to the clincher. I guess okay. the, I have pictures in my house of them at that game. And it was a lure because for those who don't know, after 83, the city of Philadelphia went 25 years with no yeah. title. And my parents, my brother was one years old. They dropped him off at kinder care. I know the story. And they went down to that parade and they were at the vet. And there's pictures in my house of them at that parade. And I always wanted to say I could do that. I could go. And it took me till I was 19 and 08 when the Phillies won it to finally be able to say I went to a championship parade. So that team always had the lore in my house. So 86ers do mean a lot to me and to my family. There you go. So last Sixers team to win a championship, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a, that's definitely a special place in, in a lot of Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia fans' hearts. But, yeah, no, nah, I get that, Jeremy. That's 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 good stuff right there, man. But, um. But yeah, let us know what you think, right? Let us know where you think this team ranks, you know, all time. You know, I, I know what me and Deremy kind of have them at, but yeah, let us know. You can find us, you know, hit, hit us up on Twitter at Bigger Game Pod. You know, you can reach us, reach out to us there. You can, you know, shoot us a DM or you can just post it on our, you know, on our page. You can also reach out to us on Instagram at Bigger Game Pod. Uh, we would love to hear feedback on this episode, on this team. And just overall, how your feelings were in regards to like Dr. J, Moses Malone, all these great players. Um, you can also see us on YouTube at Bigger Than the Game with Jeremy Jose. You know, again, we're, we're going to try to have Pete Corrado on this um, on our on the show pretty soon, and we'll post something on there. You know, do a rewatch and stuff. But um, ah, Jeremy, this was a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm glad we got the opportunity to, to to talk about this team. And I know, I know, I wanted it for you to be honest, man. To get in there and talk about your squad. So, nah, good stuff, man. Absolutely. So for the band, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jose Ruiz, I'm Dare Me Dove. Thank you guys for checking out Bigger Than the Game with Dare Me and Jose. Peace.